0: Welcome to A Wealthy Life For Her with Teresa Leftenant, where we discover our personal definition of wealth through conversations with talented and successful women who are living their version of a wealthy and meaningful life. Teresa Leftenant is owner of Reinventing Her Money, a boutique financial planning and wealth management company located on Mercer Island, Washington. Teresa is a licensed financial advisor and certified financial planner professional.
1: Securities and advisory services are offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor. Member FINRA, SIPC. CFP and Certified Financial Planner. The Certified Financial Board of Standards Incorporated owns these certification marks in the U.S., which it awards to individuals who successfully complete CFP Board's initial and ongoing certification requirements. The opinions voiced in this program are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for an individual. We suggest that you discuss your specific situation with a qualified professional. Our guests are not affiliated with or endorsed by LPL Financial, Teresa Lieutenant, or Reinventing Her Money.
2: Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode two of a wealthy life for her with Teresa Leftenant, where we explore how women can create a meaningful and abundant life on her terms. And remember that a wealthy life is not just about how much money we have in the bank. True wealth is really found through pursuing a balance between all things that are important to you. The mission of my show is to engage in casual yet deep conversations with wonderful experts who are living a wealthy life on her terms. We'll explore what it means to live a wealthy life and learn some specific ways that our guests are doing just that. And as a certified financial planning professional, I'm gonna share some tips and ideas to help you have the money you need to pursue your own version of a wealthy life. Now, I have to begin today by acknowledging that we're kind of in a bit of a pickle here in America, aren't we? Uh, In Seattle, as uh, I'm recording this, we're in, I guess, our first 24-hour period of a required stay-at-home order, but I've been staying at home for a couple of weeks. I know most of the Seattle people have. Uh, We're trying to keep our trips to the store and to the refrigerator at a minimum, (laughs) and also walk our dogs. I think my dog is looking at me like, you want to go out again? Uh, Where before it was the other way around. Uh, You know, I personally have two healthcare workers in my family. One, uh, my daughter is kind of at the front lines right now, fighting the fight in Los Angeles. And then my husband is an anesthesiologist who works part-time and his next uh, job is in California. So he'll be leaving in a few days to, uh, to help folks uh, who need surgery. And, you know, we're just in a time when we really don't know what's happening next. Uh, I, I think it's helpful to think, okay, what are my current priorities right now? It's almost like narrowing our focus to first off our health Next, the health of our f- and wellness of our family, uh, making sure we have enough food, making sure we get enough rest, and then doing some of those things that are being recommended in the, in the, by the news media is, you know, relax as best we can and meditate and do yoga and talk to friends on the phone. Just do our best to stay calm. You know, I imagine that some of you have some real financial questions right now. Uh, That's different for every person. Some folks are finding that they are either have already lost a job or they're worried about losing a job. Maybe they're a business owner and and, uh, some of their income has gone down. So I offer that maybe we should be a little careful. Uh, at this time, not to be drawn in by any, uh, hey, I have the answers right now. There's offers out there that I've noticed, uh, you know, and I know most people are pretty savvy about that, but it it can't be repeated often enough that now is a time to just remain calm, to let things develop a little bit, take care of yourself and your family. And, um, your situation, if you have a problem to solve, you can always reach out to me. I'm happy to talk to you at any time. Uh, My contact information is on my website. And if you want to read some unbiased opinions, you can go to LPL's website. Um, Their daily blog is at lplresearch.com. You know, in our current reality, women just might be feeling a little more anxious than men. I know that's true in my own household. Mm. My husband seems to be, you know, fairly calm and he has a lot of resilience because he's been through a lot of things. But when we're under stress, especially about, you know, our money, sometimes our thoughts and feelings that we learned when we were growing up can come to the surface, can can bubble up. And sometimes those beliefs that we were raised with are a little bit counter to what we really want with our money, and our fear and anxiety about our financial situation can be heightened at this uncertain time. So what we're going to talk about today with my lovely guest, Debbie Page, is how we can bring some awareness to our, what I call our early programming around money, and see if You know, we can maybe give ourselves a little bit of relief if we seem to be a bit anxious about money right now. And we're going to talk about all sorts of ways to do that. So let me introduce my guest to you right now. Uh, Debbie Page is a business coach for women entrepreneurs and her main priority is to help her clients keep more of the money they make. I think we can all say that's a really good thing to know how to do. So Debbie is an internationally recognized entrepreneur, a business coach, and an advocate for women's economic independence. Yay, Deb. And she is recognized as a leading authority on cash flow for women in business. For over two decades, Debbie has worked with women and money and has acquired, scaled, and sold two businesses of her own. It is safe to say that whatever high or low any woman is experienced in her business, Debbie's been there and knows the way to get through it. For five years, and this is where I met Deb, um, she was the executive managing director for an international women's networking organization and was recognized as an international femme tour for her work with women-owned business and her commitment to showing others how to build community to grow their businesses through effective networking. She's the only woman to receive this distinction two consecutive years. When not coaching her clients from Sweden to Singapore and across North America, Debbie is a philanthropist, a feminist, and a pretty decent cribbage player. She loves a good glass of wine, as do I. She loves great conversation and studying the latest findings and applications in the fields of cognitive psychology and business strategy. I'm so happy you're here with us today. Welcome, Debbie.
3: Uh, thanks for having me. I'm super excited. Uh, you know, any opportunity to connect with you and to just brainstorm and have conversation around women and money, personal finance or business finance, uh, I'm in. So, so let's Absolutely. do this.
2: <laughs> yeah, for sure. You know, that's uh, we've had that in common for many years since we met, and you know, our passion for empowering women with money is what really drives us. Uh, uh, you've actually had a show around money and, and empowering women uh, before on this very station, yes. so uh, I know you're going to give me some tips if I mess something up.
3: <laughs> you got this. You're a pro.
2: so also you know i'm a financial advisor you used to be a financial advisor you sold your business and started your current business and uh, we also have the uh leaving our corporate careers and starting a business from scratch in common so those are the things that really inform us in our passion the road that we have traveled the experiences highs and lows that we you know have under our belt and of course um you know, here we are in the era of the coronavirus, which is just yet another opportunity for us to stretch and grow. And, you know, when I say that, and I want to know how you're doing um, that, but I also don't want to minimize this, but I also don't want to make it, you know, into something that isn't uh, overcomable. You know, we can overcome this and, and we can learn new things. Would you agree?
3: Yeah, absolutely. It's it seems where we are right now. The perspective is it's so overwhelming. Just our current economics, you know, situation. When you and I talked about doing this conversation uh, several weeks ago, we were not in the middle of a pandemic here in North America. Right. And so where where things have turned, and while. For women, the conversations around money, the the concepts, the planning, the preparing can get overwhelming. It is just compounded right now because it seems like everything is insurmountable. And Teresa, you and I will be the first to reach a handout and to whether as a man or a woman, and right. to just take a deep breath, it's going to be okay. It doesn't feel like it right now, but we will get through this. We are going to be okay. And there are things that we can learn. You know, every time a situation happens economically, whether it's in your personal finances or whether it's in your business finances or whether it's in the world economic situation, there is an opportunity to learn something to take it in, and then to figure out how to apply it as a best practice in your own life.
2: I, I so totally agree. You know, one of the things that in my business that I learned was when I began to be able to truly envision or have a vision of a future um, result mm-hmm. – That gave me more opportunity to feel like I could get through the problems, you know, because I was already envisioning a future that I didn't have right now. So that's something that can really be helpful is to remember that if you have a vision of your life that is in some way improved or better, that's still there. And it's still something that we can hold on to.
3: Yeah, for sure. It just this is this is a moment in time, and we don't know how long this moment is going to last. And uh, we as humans love to have control over things, and this is not the time we get to do that. But. You know, to that point, holding on to that vision that you have. And even though it seems to some people right now, everything, whether it's their retirement portfolio, whether it's the money that they had set aside for a second home, whether it's money they had set aside for a kid's college education to start a business or money to grow their business, whether it feels like it's all like sand slipping through your fingers right now, just take a deep breath and know that all that is still there for you. None of that has been taken from you what I would just encourage you to take a deep breath and think through is that it just may be you're going to get there a different way than you thought.
2: Yes, and I know we're gonna to touch on that in just a minute. Before we uh, take a little break, I, I do want to talk about um, y- you know, how uh, this type of an experience can really broaden our perspective and our opportunity to get to know ourselves a little better. Uh, Part of a coach's job, my job and your job, is to help people understand how they work as a human being. And we all are different, aren't we? You mm-hmm. don't respond to challenges in the same way that I respond to challenges and everyone else that's listening is, has their own way too. None of it's right or wrong. But understanding yourself and understanding what you need to, to not only survive but thrive in, in challenging times, I think that's something that's really important to use this time right now to learn more about yourself. What would you say to that?
3: I 100% agree. Um, Now is the time for uh, Mm self-reflection to uh, just move, as I say, become part archaeologist, part detective with your own being, gently moving things away. Uh, This is not the time to rip Band-Aids off. This is time to be very gentle with yourself. But, you know, we are going to have some self-imposed quiet time you know, and let's put it to good use. Maybe now is the time to go on a journey of exploration and self-discovering around money beliefs and habits and patterns and behaviors. And, And without judgment, understanding a bit more about ourselves. So as we navigate through to the other side, not only are we a stronger version, but we're also stewarding all those other people in our lives along with us, whether it's little people, whether it's partnered people, whether it's external family people, friends, like you have this really unique opportunity right now. So 100% agree.
2: Awesome. So what we're going to talk about when we get back is... I'm gonna ask Debbie about why women in particular are a bit more challenged in their ability to earn big money. And and I'm you know, I'm gonna compare women to men only because it set a con it sets a context. I'm not saying that there's anything Better or worse in any way. It's just that this is a way where we can get a handle on a on an idea or a concept if we do a little bit of comparison. And I think it's you know not a surprise uh, that women actually have a little bit more challenge in reaching for those big dollars when they're in their business and and also um, asking for raises and and getting promoted and and so on. So when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about that. So we'll see you in just a few, in a moment, back to A Wealthy Life for Her with Teresa Leftenant.
1: Inventing Her Money was born in 2003 with a vision of expanding services beyond traditional wealth management to include financial literacy, money mindset, and empowerment coaching for professional women who have unique challenges to becoming financially independent. Start your journey towards pursuing a financial life on your own terms at ReinventingHerMoney.com. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor. Member FINRA SIPC. Wondering what's on next on Alternative Talk 1150? Check out 1150KKNW.com.
2: All right. Welcome back with my guest, Debbie Page, uh, business coach for female entrepreneurs, and Teresa Leftenant. So before the break, we were talking about how women can take a little bit of time for self-reflection and getting to know themselves a little more during this self-imposed time at home. So Debbie, why do you th- think women are a little more challenged with making money? And how do those early childhood me- messages you know, create that, or how is that interrelated?
3: Yeah, it's a, that is a that is a long conversation.
2: <laughs> is that now, a deep right? deep
3: <laughs> enough question for no, you? Exactly. I really was hoping that you were going to go deep and not make this a surface conversation. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. There we go. All right, all right everyone, fasten your seat So, here's the thing my perspective and what i know to be true for having spent you know almost 25 years in the financial industry between financial services and working in the space of cash flow and business coaching if we look back centuries women from the earliest times have been essentially taken out of the money conversation, right? We couldn't own property, we didn't work outside the home, right? Then we move forward a few centuries, and now we're working outside the homes, but we're not making as much as the men because our worth is not valued the same by the men who are in the hiring position. Um, We still can't own property, you know? So now we're getting to this place, and we're not talking that long ago, friends. Like, this isn't that far back. But what's happened is for centuries and now we have had this message that women aren't good with money. That's, if we go back, that's the message that was imprinted into our DNA. And then each of our great grandmothers and mothers and grandmothers like pulled that message through. So this Message has been following your female line for a long time now. I know there's someone listening who says, "Not my great grandmother. She was a what? You know, fantastic, right?" There's always that, but I would say if we put 100 women in a room and I ask them a question that you're going to ask me, which is, "What is some of your earliest messages around money?" I would stand on everything that I own to say that well over three quarters of those women would not have a positive early money memory. Their first messages were not positive around what they were capable of with money. So we start there. And then we fast forward into the professional world and we've already been told, we don't have a head for numbers. We don't need to worry about those things. Someone else is going to handle that for you. Um, you should be grateful that you have a job, right? And so you're like, Oh God, I'm grateful I have a job. I'm not going to ask for a raise. right? And yet, on the other side Young men around us are being told from the time that they're the littlest humans on the planet, ask for what you want, ask for more, right? And so now they sit at the negotiating table for their first job post-college, and they're the ones saying, no, you know what, that $60,000 starting salary isn't what I want. I want 75, and I want six weeks off of vacation, because without it, I'm going to burn out, right? And as women, we're like, okay, well, you know what? I'm going to take the $60,000 job. I'm going to take my two weeks of vacation. I'm going to work really, 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 really hard. And hopefully someone's going to notice me. And that's That's where it starts, right. right? Yes. And so then if you have a business... Now you start your business and you look around at the landscape and you say, oh, I'm new at this, so I must not be able to charge very much even though I know a lot about this thing and that person has been doing it longer, so I'm going to discount myself, right? And what I always invite people to do is that every time we do that, no one is considering the fact that the woman you're comparing yourself to probably did the same thing. So we have created this artificially deflated ceiling about what we have the capacity to earn. And we're doing it to ourselves, unintentionally. And until we start to have conversations like this and get women thinking differently about money, and the messages that we're telling the little women in our lives about money, it's not going to change.
2: Yes. And so, you know, what I realize is that I've been a financial advisor, you know, for a very long time. I've been a CFP since 1990. I've been having these conversations with women that every day for all those years or almost every day. And the conversation does not appear to be uh, changing that much in terms of, yeah, I know I need to do this. Yes. Um, and and yet there doesn't seem that transformation. Now, I think it is happening, though. I mean, we do see See women in in the C-suite more than before. We see more women starting businesses. We see more empowerment and assertive behavior happening. But let's talk about what that woman who hasn't really made that step yet to to even become aware of of those limiting thoughts. What does she do?
3: Yeah. So great question. So the thing that Okay, well, sort of as I say, gobsmacked me when I finally understood what was going on with my own financial story was that our beliefs, habits, and patterns around money are imprinted on us by the time, depending on which guru you listen to or psychologist you read, by the time we're five, six, seven years old, one guy thinks it's 12, but I'm going to go with about six. Like, so think about that. Your experiences as a family whatever your family unit looked like with money were imprinted on you by the time you were five six seven years old and you bless your heart have been hauling these beliefs habits and patterns around in your little life backpack your entire adult life and so now I sit here as a 50 year old woman and I didn't figure this stuff out until I don't know maybe a dozen years ago or so like what this was really all about And I know when I was an advisor, as you said, I would sit across the desk from women who were in their 60s, 70s, and 80s, and they, blessedly, were still hauling around five-year-old them's belief around money.
2: And so I'm sitting here nodding my head because you and I, I mean, we know this reality so well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and
3: not enough people are talking to women about this, and men, because this applies to fellas too, but for our purposes here, For women, until we can take that backpack off, open it up, start to unpack it, and put things in the right order and trace back to, oh my gosh, I know why I never charge enough. Oh my gosh, I know why I never asked for that raise. I guarantee you there is a point that we can plot on your life map that will unlock So many things around your personal current beliefs, habits, and patterns around money. And it starts with the money bio. You know, we've talked about this, Teresa. It's something that, and I don't know if you want to go here yet, but it's something that everyone can do. You're going to have some time on your hands right now. (laughs) And it's a low tech exercise. And here's the other thing I would say is if it's something you're doing it, have everyone in your household do it right now like make this a family exercise. So many families are really struggling with, oh my gosh, what should we be doing? You know, I don't know how to homeschool my kids or, you know, I don't know how I'm supposed to work with my husband, you know, in my in my kitchen while I'm trying to do my conference calls. Like everyone's creating a new work environment for themselves. And the money bio exercise could be a really interesting exercise. And especially if you're a parent, or an influential adult of little people and you wanna do this with them, it will open your eyes to how they already see money and give you the opportunity to create some educational opportunities to shift some patterns so they have healthier relationships with money. Um, And a money bio is real easy. You take a piece of paper, Uh, Just ruled or unruled, depending on how structured you'd want to be. Um, I like order, so I prefer the ruled paper. Uh, And you start with, you know, a zero and a one, and you put one number for every year up to your current age. So I'm 50, so I would probably give myself two or three lines, and I would start at zero and go up to 50. And I would give myself some quiet time. and This is what I need everyone listening to do, is give yourself some quiet time and think back what is your earliest memory of money and it could be a memory of money that you have or it could be a memory of money that is that you has been given to you 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 don't have to unpack all of it yet just earliest memory of money my earliest memory of money i'm about two or three years old um i know this because there's a picture now i don't know if the memory is what i hold on to or if the picture creates the memory but for me that is my earliest memory and that early memory is my dad was in sales I'm two, three years old. I'm sitting on the bed in our apartment in Portland and he had just won a sales contest and he came home with a stack of $20 bills. I don't know how many were there, but it was a lot of money when I look at it now and I'm holding it all in my hands and I'm just joy filled and gleeful. Now, that's not my feeling. That's my parents' feeling, right? Right. The relief that they felt about whatever was happening at that time was the joy that I was picking up on as a kid. Because I'm two or three years old. I don't know what money is then. Right. But I picked up on their emotion. And that's my earliest memory of money. So for me, money is a thrill right? It's this feeling of excitement that comes up. And so out of that, you get to explore what happens when you get that feeling of a thrill, right? Most people go into not the healthiest habits, patterns, and behaviors, right? So that's a that's a money bio exercise.
2: So I want to I want to go a little a step further but I, I want to tell you about one of my uh m- you know money was such a big thing in my family because my dad was a banker. Yes. And so he was talking about money and talking about, you know, his clients and and for me, you know, what he was doing was lending money to business owners, mm-hmm. which is kind of ironic because I didn't know that I would be an entrepreneur <laughs> until I, you know I'm in my my late 40s. So right. But the part that reminded me was my dad would get a bonus every year. And he would put cash in an envelope at Christmas time and put the envelopes in the tree, you know, of, of the Christmas tree. And I remember that I would be looking for my envelope. And looking for my envelope, I really wanted the envelope only over any other toy because I knew I would have cash and I would have control over what I could buy with that. But of course, the the result that um, I tracked back or forward into my life was that as soon as I got the cash, I spent it. And you know, I'm sure that's a typical behavior pattern that you see around you know women who feel like they don't have enough, can never get enough. It's like the deprivation of that. And so we compensate by spending too much. Mm -hmm. And I know there's lots of people out there who have good savings habits. I'm not saying that, but what, you know, do you have that experience with women? This deprivation because of our mindset creates this overspending pattern. Mm -hmm. It's the uh,
3: the best analogy that I use is from one of my um, favorite books, one of my favorite authors, Mike McCallowitz, and his book, Profit First. And he talks in Profit First about the toothpaste principle. So think about toothpaste, right? You get that big tube of toothpaste and you are putting it out there and you're just squeezing it on and you, you are not being judicious with how much paste is going on that brush and you're getting in there and getting it all done. But you know what happens when you get down to that little nubbin, right? You're just like, you know, you're know, you like, oh, I better be careful with how much toothpaste I have, so I better not use too much. The same thing, it's the same psychology that's working in our brain is that when we have a lot, we tend without awareness to get really free and easy with it. But when it shrinks in the tube, like the toothpaste, all of a sudden we get really scared and we hang on to it super, super tight. And you can see that in a thousand places in your life. You can look in your pantry right now and I guarantee you, That box of Oreos or that bag of Oreos that you bought before all this started, you know, you were free and easy eating those cookies, no big deal. But now that you're probably like four or five days away from, quote unquote, being able to go to the grocery store, oh, I don't know if I want to eat that last cookie now because when I do,
2: it's gone.
3: You know, money's the same way.
2: Okay, so this is perfect because now we can take that next step that, okay, so we have this tendency and let's all admit it, it's probably people are nodding their heads as they're listening to this, as they recognize this in themselves. So what do you recommend to your clients to sort of smooth that out, you know, so that, so that we don't feel that, Awful scarcity feeling, you know, that feeling is not fun to have. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't have enough. Mm-hmm. So how do we smooth that out?
3: A little scary. And you can apply this a lot to lots of things in your life. Yes. Um, so when it comes to money, so once you get through the money bio exercise, you know, go back through and read it no judgment on yourself. Just be curious. That's one of the great gifts I was ever given from one of my first coaches was be curious about this. What comes up? What are the themes or the patterns or the words that you see? Those themes, patterns, and words are your beliefs, habits, and behaviors, right? So get clear on what those are. Pull some of them out. Put them over on a second piece of paper um, and look at What are the top two or three things that I currently feel or believe about money, my money, and write them down. And then think about from where that is, how might I like to feel? So for a lot of people, if we go through this exercise, it might be, again, to this point of scarcity, right? I'm afraid I'm going to run out of it. I'm afraid there's never enough, right? So we're going to go with fear as being an overarching theme for many people when it comes to money and we're going to take a look at that and say okay so if if i'm if i'm coaching teresa right now i'm going to say alright teresa so right now your primary feeling around money is fear you're afraid you're afraid you're going to run out that there's not going to be enough that you're going to be homeless so it's all fear based and so if you think about it what is the exact furthest place you could get from fear like if you weren't fearful about running out what would be the feeling you would have right And people will say things like, I'd be joyful and expansive and abundant. It's like, okay, so you're in this place of you're afraid you're going to run out of money. And the exact opposite of that is to be abundant. And again, we're not talking about overspending. We're talking about just this feeling of there's enough, right? So we now know the two ends of the the road that we're looking at here. And my first question is going to be to get from fear to abundance does not happen overnight. It's going to take a series of daily right actions. So my first question is going to be, what is one thing you could start doing to move yourself from fear to abundance? You know, somebody might say, I could create a money mantra. Great way to start. We need to reprogram the tape that's going on in our head is the first thing. So that's a good first exercise that I love people to take. So we create a money mantra. And then I might say, with that money mantra, we want to put it everywhere. So you see it. You need to say it out loud. Um, My money mantra goes off on my phone every day at 5.05 p.m. It's a reminder for me to wrap up my workday. And it's also a reminder for me to be grateful for all the money that's around me, even though I may not have it in my hand, right? So that might be the first step. And then the second step after we do that for 30 days Right? This isn't we're going to pile all these on like a sandwich. We're going to do one at a time. And then the next step I might say to somebody is, okay, hey, well, now that we've done the money mantra and so we've started to shift that tape. So we've gone from, okay, I'm scared, but I'm feeling more confident. So we're moving along the road. Um, maybe the next thing is we're going to create a mindful money practice. And mindful money practice could be a daily check-in with all of your accounts. We all do bank balance accounting anyhow, but usually the bank balance accounting is, oh gosh, I can't believe there's nothing left. Like there's more month than money and where was payday and all this other stuff. But now we're going to do a mindful money practice. And again, we're going to change the reaction. We're going to set a tone or intention before we open up those bank accounts, before we start moving money around. So that might be the second step. And then the third step is actually going to be, all right, What does abundance mean to me? Is it a number? Is it a thing? And then how are we going to break that down? So you can put yourself on this path, breaking it down step by step to move from one thing to another. And you're going to slip sometimes. You're going to slide backwards. The world's going to get off kilter. And the more of these things that you have layered in for yourself, the more successfully you're going to be prepared to pick back up and to continue moving forward again.
2: So I just I've been taking notes. I hope everybody else that's listening has been taking notes because you know there, you can never do enough work on this. Uh, you know it's a con it's it, it's a continual um, habit and process to begin to uh, peel away layers about what kind of thinking may be in your way in terms of getting what you want. So when we come back in a moment, I want to maybe turn our conversation a little bit more towards female business owners and how they can start using some of these tools to you know change their mindset and therefore their results with money so we'll be right back
0: Professional women face unique challenges from financial and life circumstances that threaten their long-term financial security. Women earn less than men, live an average five years longer, take time out from their careers to raise children, and are less confident making financial choices. Are you ready to solve the challenges that are robbing you of financial independence? Visit ReinventingHerMoney.com and schedule a chat with a female financial planner who cares.
1: Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor. Member FINRA, SIPC. Alternative Talk, 1150 on AM, 98.9 HD3 on HD, 1150kknw.com on the web.
2: All right. Welcome back to A Wealthy Life for Her with Teresa Leftenant and my guest, Debbie Page. And we're talking about how to create a positive money mindset, not only for your personal finances, but also specifically for entrepreneurs and women business owners. And Debbie, I was looking at some online resources, and I was just really shocked and amazed and so excited about how much activity there is in our country of women business owners, Uh, uh, a online resource, which I have not verified, of course. But some of the statistics generally are that women in the United States um, own 12.3 million businesses that's women owned businesses and they generate the income is around 1.8 trillion dollars a year 40 percent of u.s businesses are female owned so we're making such great strides and getting more empowered and confident to step out of our corporate jobs and really pursue our passion work pursue that um ability to really give our gifts, our superpowers that we have to to the world and to do what really makes us happy, uh, fills us full of energy. So women are starting a business at a really fast pace. So what are some of the obstacles that your clients face when they are choosing to become an entrepreneur?
3: Yeah, so there's a few things they face. Uh, First of all, most women business owners are bootstrapping it like I did, like you did, like we didn't have rich relatives, you know, doing this or trust funds that were supporting these endeavors. We we rolled up our sleeves and we figured it out. We use personal savings, you know, people use access to their own personal credit. There's a lot of self-funding that happens. Unfortunately, they don't ask for additional capital. And, and, more importantly they don't ask for additional capital when they don't need it and so the challenge is you know credit personally credit professionally you need to be building the relationships and and beginning to present and make your case as a business owner to get access to credit at a time you don't need it because i promise you right now for small business owners in this country who did not sit down, have long conversations with their business banker, really know who that person was and begin building a line of credit, it's gonna be really hard to get one right now and at a time when it could really have supported them. So they're starting businesses super fast. They're doing it based upon a passion and a purpose. Unfortunately though, they're not focused on profit. So, so many women do what they do because they fell in love with an idea or a concept or an industry or they, they saw a need or a problem that they knew they have a solution for and they brought this to market. Unfortunately, they didn't know where to go to get enough support around the pricing of their business model and then to understand what really is going to impact the profit. You know, Tracy, you and I hear a lot of conversations in the women's business world about my six-figure, seven-figure, blah diddy, blah, diddy, blah business. And you and I both are sitting over there going, that's so great for you, Karen. And we kind of cross our arms a little bit skeptically and we go, but are you willing to show us your P&L? your profit and loss. Are you really, you know, that's great. You did six, seven figures in sales. I'm excited for you. Right. But I know as a business owner, when I had my brokerage, you know, we cracked seven figures, got into the second seven figures, kept going from there. And you know what? My PL did not reflect those seven figures. Right. right. And so we have to as women start to have conversations around this we have to start taking away This fear, shame, doubt, worry, embarrassment, conversation mumbo jumbo that's going on in her head thinking that, oh my God, if I talk to Debbie about what's really going on in my business, she's going to think I'm a horrible human being. No, Debbie's not going to think you're a horrible human being. Teresa's not going to think you're a horrible human being. We're going to look at you and go right on, sister, for acknowledging there's a gap that you want to understand so you can be a better CEO, CFO, and business owner yourself. That's what needs to happen.
2: And, and I just want to stop and just reinforce what you're saying. It, it, this is the first step to transformation in your financial life, whether it's your business life or your your personal finances, is, is to really uh, t- t- take a deep breath, be courageous, and face what's true. Because if you don't know what the starting point is, and then you give yourself permission to dream a little bit and know what you really want, then you can figure out how to get from A to B. And of course, you know, there's a lot more education out there now about this is how you succeed as a person. But but it still seems like when it comes to money, there's a, still a bit of hesitation and and so much worry about judgment and um, from other people. We, we have to encourage all women just to to try to let that go and do what you do, move forward as best you can.
3: Yeah, absolutely. There is no shame. You do, we are not wired to know everything. So why on earth would you think as a business owner, small, medium, or otherwise, that you need to know everything? You need to surround yourself with people who can fill in those gaps for you and can give you the information and the understanding so that you can make your best decisions. One of my clients is an excellent example of that right now. You know, she doesn't have a head for numbers, as she said, and I said to her, we are going to reprogram that message because you do. You have the aptitude to start a really successful business now you also have the ability to understand those numbers. And I'm not going to let you get away with telling yourself that story anymore.
2: Well, you're such a great advocate for women in that regard. Um, You know, in my business history, that was one of my biggest obstacles that I had to face was, okay, I have to get over this emotional um, reaction that I have in my own head that I need to be, need to act like I'm bigger than I really am. And you know, I have to say, I'm so grateful that I've done the work on myself to now. I'm so happy about the size of business that I am, you know, I'm, I don't need to be bigger. I'm growing, but I think we have to get over that. Don't we? Um, you know, the, the that emotional sense that we need to be something we're not. It's okay to be right where you are.
3: More truer words have never been spoken. <laughs>
2: right where we
3: are. I also wonder too, Teresa, if some of that isn't wisdom, you and I are ladies of a certain season in life, right? (laughs) And so, you know, when we're in our twenties and thirties, it's a different message that we're putting out there. And, you know, we want other people to know us and like us and think we're super smart. And then we get into our forties and then we cross 50 and we're like, All right. This is who I am. It either works for you or it doesn't. I'm going to speak my truth. If it resonates with you, it resonates. And if it doesn't, that's okay. Yeah,
2: you're right. It does take some experience. uh, And it actually takes some pain. You know, um, you know, I I think that there's a lot of desire to avoid pain, Mm -hmm. but actually pain is quite enriching uh, Mm -hmm. because it does, it is a good teacher. Pain is. And um, so I think that's why, you know, in my 60 odd years that I've been on the planet, I've had a lot of pain and I'm grateful for it because it has contributed to who I am as a human being, as a successful business owner, as a coach and an empowerer of other people so let's just touch a a moment before before we go to my favorite question what are some of the just give me one other obstacle that women who are in business are facing in your um practice um
3: other than you know uh access to capital is trying to do everything themselves i mean i think that's the i I think that would be the right the second cousin to that is trying to do it all themselves um you know what, what women need to understand in their businesses is that the the conversation they're having about well I'm saving money by building my website myself I'm saving my website my, I'm saving money by getting on canva and creating all my graphics myself um, is actually one of the greatest lies they're telling themselves because in doing those activities that are not in alignment with their core genius, the reason they started their business, they are actually stealing money from their own business bank account every single second they put into those activities. And so I understand bootstrapping better than anyone else. I built a network of people and had a lot of conversations. The first person I wanted to hire ever to do my website, there was no way it was in my budget to do that. And I want you also to hear what I just said. I didn't say I couldn't afford it. I said it wasn't in my budget yet. And I want women to start thinking about that because that's also part of this lack conversation. If we say we can't afford it, that's a place of lack and scarcity. But if we can come at it from this place of it's not in my budget yet, Teresa, I'd like to work with you. Um, I'm really interested in what you do. I'm not sure your pricing structure, but I'd love to learn more and see how I can work that into my budget, right? So my first website person was somebody that was a quick and dirty kind of deal and it got myself out there and it did what it needed to do. The next version was a little bit better. The next version a little bit better. And this one is costing a whole lot of money and I'm happy to do it. Right. But I've been able to step into those things. So, you know, this is the one that I, the example that I use that you and I can relate to and everyone can. So one of the greatest things I look for in working with a client around cash flow and profit and how the money's coming in is um, whether they have a bookkeeper. And so one of the first questions I'll ask is, Teresa, do you have a bookkeeper for your business? Yes, I have a bookkeeper. Great. Um, If the answer is no, I'll say, tell me then, how do you keep track of your books? And that's always usually met with an eye roll and people are like, well, you know, I'm not really good at it. And so we calculate the hours they spend doing this, digging things out of shoeboxes, not filing on time, the penalties they pay, all these things that are contributing to their angst in their business. And I'll take a look and say, do you think then that we might be able to find a bookkeeper for, we'll just pick a number and say 50 bucks an hour? Maybe. And so your rate is $300 an hour. And you're telling me that you're spending between five hours a month on this task at $300 an hour. That's $1,500 of lost revenue. Do you think we could find a bookkeeper who probably could do it for two or three hours because they're good. Like this is their gig. This is what they do. And that would cost you a hundred. And the opportunity of 1500 has only been brought down to 1400 or maybe 1350 because you've hired someone else to do the thing. Please go do the thing that you're supposed to do. Find somebody to support you so that you can do only the things that you can do. That's where the money is. And that's where you're going to shift everything when it comes to revenue and profit in your company.
2: Well, and this is, you know, many people might say, well, where am I going to find such a person? I don't know anyone like that. And this is where networking has really, uh, this is what you have taught so many women how to do. Because uh, you you know you actually taught me how to network and I have uh, so many uh, options now when I need to hire somebody for this or that or even better I can refer people to other people that I know which is a really rewarding thing to do is to bring people together that can benefit each other so I I encourage women to get involved in the many amazing networking organizations. Are, you know, not only in Seattle and the east side, but also around the country. Um, so I want to just, uh, before we have to wrap up, I want us to talk about what is the what are the many reasons why owning a business for a woman is really just one of the best ways to make a living and spend your time?
3: Well, there's no limit. It, I mean, everything is a possibility, which is a danger, but everything is a possibility. And if you're looking for... The ultimate opportunity to be the, the, the queen of your own destiny, entrepreneurship and business ownership is the way to do it. Yeah, it comes with risk, but so does being an employee when you're always worried that someone's going to lay you off. There's a hatchet over your head. The only thing that holds you back when you're a business owner is yourself. And that for many people is hard because at some point, like my dad said, you can point fingers all you want at all the other people, but if you look down at your hand, there's three of them pointing back at you. (laughs) And when you're the business owner, The buck stops with you. And if things aren't getting done, it's because you're not doing the things that need to get done. But I I just, you know, I didn't start, Teresa, to be a business owner. I mean, I was the first person in my family to go to college. I grew up lower middle class. You know, my mom worked in a packing plant, packing apples and rotten pears. And my dad was in retail sales. And, you know, we just, we got by, right? We had lots of love. We didn't have things, you know, that other people have, but we had lots of love. And, And my goal was to go to college, get out of my little town, and aspire to middle management. That was it. You know, I saw Working Girl, right? I was going to be Melanie Griffith. I was going to have the briefcase, and that was it. And then I got out, and I got a taste of that, and I was like, "Mm, this is it. I I feel like I got more to offer the world than this, and that's what started me on that path. And you know, the thing is, ladies, too, for those of you listening, you may not be ready to jump in both feet right this second, But a side hustle is a great way to get it started. And I'm going to tell you this. When you do a side hustle, though, treat it like a business, not a side hustle. Set your hours. Put your marketing plan together. Look at your pricing. Get your bookkeeper. Know your numbers. Run it like a business. You treat it like a business, and the business is going to reward you
2: absolutely the the part that I would say is the best thing uh, that has happened to me is who I've become mm. in the process of making all the mistakes and 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 having all the big wins and meeting the people that I've been able to serve it's it's really about being able to collaborate with other people and to really provide such a, a huge service in a way that is uh, personally important to you which since this show is about a wealthy life it really isn't so much about how much money you make in a business. Although, you know, as you're teaching people, having organized financial life in your business, it will keep you in business longer. Therefore, you'll be able to serve more people and not to mention put food on the table and take some trips on the side and whatever it is that is important for you to do. But, you know, being able to live your values at work and being able to be the person who decides when you do something and becomes such a powerful person. Uh, that's really such, it's really the only way to live a life in my opinion. So if anybody's listening that has been wondering, you know, should I do this? You have a couple of resources here that can give you uh, some nice uh, suggestions and guidance around, you know, how, what that might look for you. So yeah. we just have a few minutes. Do you have one more thought you'd like to leave with everyone?
3: Gosh, you know, here's the thing. I, um, I, I think I want to make two points. Um, when you are a business owner or if you're thinking about starting a business, you know, spend more time thinking about your rates and your pricing structure than your logo and your tagline. Um, the rates and the pricing structure are going to make sure that your logo and tagline are sustainable. And then the other thing that I would leave everyone with is because of where we are right now in the world economically and how things will shape up in the next two, four, six weeks, we don't know. I would say this, you know, again, I'm going to, I'm going to pull from the book of pop here, right? My dad was, he was just a hard working class guy, but one of his great messages to me from the time I was a young kid was, Deb, there are things that we can control and things that we can't. You're going to be healthier and wealthier by focusing on those things that you have control and influence on and letting the rest of it be, right? So to your point, Teresa, and to this conversation and this show, what we have influence over right now is not the market. It's not the pandemic. What we have control over is our thoughts and our beliefs and our actions. Focus there right now. Take this time to go inward. You're going to come out the other side okay.
2: Absolutely. I, I, I couldn't have said it better. And I want to thank you, Deb, so much for sharing all this wisdom with us today. Uh, if any of you who are listening would like to learn more about Debbie's private coaching and her programs, please visit her at www.debbypage.com. And, you know, many of the concepts that Deb and I discussed today are priorities for both of us as we have conversations with our clients. So if you want to chat about any of your financial conditions, know that I'm here for you. You can learn more at my website, reinventingher.com, and you can send me a uh, request to chat there. So thank you for listening and being part of our Wealthy Life for Her community. I know you have many radio shows and podcasts to choose from, and I'm so grateful that you chose ours today. If you enjoyed yourself, please share the show with your friends and family. And next week, our guest will be Kimberly French. She's a leadership and career coach who brings real humanity into the conversation on how to be a real business success in uh, your corporation. So I look forward to having you with us next week. And remember that financial independence is your birthright, ladies. With the right education and empowerment and the right financial advice, you can overcome any financial challenge and create a wealthy life on your terms. Thanks for being with us. We'll see you next
0: week. Teresa is founder of Reinventing Her Money and author of Reinventing Her, helping women plan, pursue, and capitalize on their next chapter. Available on Amazon. She is a certified financial planner and wealth advisor for professional women who aspire to a wealthy and financially independent life. Learn more at reinventinghermoney.com.